This week on Refried Reviews, nothing fucking matters. <laughs> <laughs> Fincher's work. Yeah, it really does. Um, and I guess he started a certain way. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this movie is bleak. Um, <laughs> welcome back, everybody, to uh, Refried Reviews. Um, <laughs> I'm John. I'm JP. And uh, yeah, I'm just over here sipping a scotch, driven, staring into the middle <laughs> distance. Because we just watched one of the fucking most nihilistic movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Alien 3. Yeah, sounds representative of how the movie went, probably. Yeah, based on yeah. all accounts. Yeah, um, we watched the uh, the the work print or extended cut that was restored in, I guess, 2010 um, for Blu-ray release. Um, we did not watch the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll try and speak to the differences between those two. But to your point of the production history, you want to give us a quick rundown <laughs> of uh, of just the, the waking nightmare that was David Fincher's <laughs> life making this movie? Well, so I guess we, we both saw the theatrical cut, but long ago yeah, was kind yeah. of the gist. Okay. Yeah, yeah so... Um, Hopefully someday we'll get like the true true documentary about a lot of the things that went on, like but, the, the Lost in La Mancha. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, but from from what I recall of following this for years, it's one of my favorite uh, movie franchises. Even though I'm not really into horror, I don't know why this struck me so much, but I do love it. It's fucking great. Is why it struck you. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, the first really big DVD set that they did. Um, it sounds like they did a full-on, honest two-hour documentary about exactly what happened, and it was, well, I don't know about exactly, but it was called yeah. uh, Wreckage and Rape, The Making of Alien 3. Oh, my God, really? And then, uh, I guess, because uh, Digital Bits, I think, they were really good friends with like the guy making it and everything, Yeah. so they, they saw a preview of it and, and were in there for that whole process, but uh, before it was released, I think they cut an hour out of it and it was changed to the making of alien three. <laughs> I believe the blu-ray release is like halfway where they restored some of the footage and it's, um, some of the footage of that documentary. Yes. Yeah. And it's wreckage and rage, the making of alien three. So we're getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll have the whole thing, but, uh, yeah, from, from that documentary and just reading various things over the years, it sounds like Fincher was music video director, up and coming, mm-hmm. sort of. Everyone knew he was going to be big and, and Did, trying what, to. What music videos had he directed at that point? Hadn't he done like some like tool stuff or something? That sounds right, but yeah. I'd have to check. I can't really remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, most you know, of my music video knowledge is of like Spike Jones and yeah. stuff. Yeah, most people. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so. The impression that I get is sort of that they were just trying to get this movie made. It was big and expensive and complicated already. Unfinished script, really bizarre even story concept, it sounds like, when he was brought on, where it was a wooden planet populated by monks. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, like I mean, when they I remember the first teaser coming out like a year before I think they even started filming, and the teaser was straight up aliens coming to Earth, motherfucker. <laughs> like, really, it, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I think the teaser like it was it was uh, space footage, and the camera craned down to see Earth, and then it said on Earth, everyone can hear you scream. Wow, um, or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I might be butchering exactly what the text was, but the sure. teaser, the point was definitely we're coming to Earth. Wow, which like if you want to make. Um, 
the version of this movie that continues the lines of escalation from aliens, Mm -hmm. then that's the movie you make. Right. But at that point, you're just making a war movie. Like, one of the things that I think makes Aliens work as well as it does, and Aliens is damn near perfect, Mm -hmm. um, is that it's still so horrific while being a, uh, you know, a a base under siege sort of story. Mm -hmm. Like, so you get a lot of that action, but you also have these really tense moments that are very, you know, frightening. Um, and so it's sort of a best of both worlds thing. I honestly, I am not sure I want an alien movie that goes further in the action direction than aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's as far down that road as I want to go. What do you think? Alien on Earth does sound like it could pretty easily turn generic just because there are so m- many movies of yeah. a monster attacking a large group of people. Yeah. And sort of that, I, I, I agree with you that that is a lot of the charm of these movies of sort of haunted house movie and then escalated enough to be like, holy shit, we couldn't even stop that one. Yeah. And now there are a bunch. But it's still sort of the same vibe of you are trapped here and no one can really help you. Yeah. And uh, like, I don't know how well a lot of the alien themes would translate to it. Yeah. Especially because so much of it is about avoiding the Earth thing. Like, the, the whole thing is keeping it out of the hands of the company because. Yeah. So, I mean... I guess in a sense, it feels like it should end that way. Yeah. But it's, I, I don't think a lot of the charm of the existing movies feels like it would yeah. work that well. That's the, that's the sequel you think you want, but I promise you don't <laughs> want it. <laughs> like, because, I mean, these movies are about two things. They're about how corporations are evil and about rape. Um <laughs> That's it. Like, it's clearly a rape monster. It's uh-huh. got a penis for a head. Yeah. Um, it may, it, it penetrates for- lots of people. Yeah, it forcibly impregnates you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, you know, there's, especially this movie is very much about, like, I mean, I, I, I definitely picked up some, like, sort of pro-choice undertones to it. There was definitely something about, like, you know, female sovereignty of one's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the fact that, like, Ripley has had that taken away from her. I mean, she she eventually has everything taken away from her. That's that's more what this movie's about. Yeah. Um, good God. Um, but <laughs> the yeah. passion of the Ripley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is the the the, ver- the sequel that like we necessarily wanted. I think taken on its own terms, uh, the work print. Um, I'll I'll put, be out on Front Street about it. I think it was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was great. Um, it's got some plot holes, but it's a pretty enjoyable movie. And I think it, it's it's definitely a thought provoking direction to take it, where yeah. it's almost scaling it more back to the first one. Yeah, of sort of the lack of weapons and the lack of of manpower and technology yeah. and planning. That alien certainly feels like a threat in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I believe that it sh- that I should be terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what did you think of the movie as a whole? Like, did you did it live up to its reputation as a big pile of dog shit? <laughs> Uh, I mean, sort of the the refrain I've been hearing for years is sort of, it's a decent movie and not a very good sequel, which I would tend to agree with. Yeah. That while I feel it's largely in the intention of this movie to throw mm-hmm. you off center and to make you uncomfortable and all these kinds of things. Yeah. That it's still a big leap to be like, remember Newt and Hicks and, and how great it felt? At the end of that adventure, like... How she had a family? Yeah, she doesn't make it to the end of the credits. Yeah. Like, it's... I understand the point of it, and, uh, you know, I think... I'm not sure I do. What do you think the point of it was? Well, I just mean how dark the film is. Like, it's not like that goes against the tone of the rest of the movie. It's just kind of a hard pill to swallow right off the bat after loving the second movie so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting place to take her character, and... 
So yeah, that's uh, to, 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 to get into the plot. Basically, this movie starts with a face hugger hatching in the escape pod at the end of Aliens. Just to, for those of you who don't recall the end of Aliens, um, and everybody should have seen Aliens. Um, if you haven't <laughs> seen Aliens, why are you listening to us talk? Go watch Aliens. It's amazing. <laughs> um, Much better use of your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you haven't seen Alien, then watch that first because Alien <laughs> is perfect um aliens is about as perfect um it's the maybe the greatest cinematic one-two punch since the godfather one and two yeah like i can't that's accurate i can't think of a pair of movies that work better than this like Mm -hmm. and and put your star wars back in your pants um i'm sorry that was me um but Alien is a better movie than A New Hope, so it's so it's disqualified. I give it that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the end of Aliens is uh, the the Aliens ends with the Alien Queen on the Nostro- not the Nostromo the uh, the Sulaco, um, and them uh, having to fight it, and uh, you know they they get snuck aboard. Uh, there's the cool fight with the power loader. Get away from her, you bitch. Yeah. It's awesome. They launch <laughs> the Alien Queen into space, and then they all uh, newt. Uh, who is the little kid from Aliens, Ripley, Hicks, uh, who's got some pretty intense acid burns, but he's going to be okay. And then uh, mo- uh, about half of Bishop all get into... Uh, the top uh, half, thankfully. Yes, the, the important half of Bishop. <laughs> um, all get into their, their hibernation pods, and they're like, okay, we're going to go back to... We're going to go back uh, to the company or home or wherever. So this movie starts with uh, a face hugger on the... Um, on the uh, escape pod uh, that has latched onto, and I don't know, did were they in escape pods at the end of Aliens, or were they just fucking on the ship? I believe they go into cryosleep, and she like kind of puts Newt down. But they go into cryosleep, the but they don't get into like an, a smaller vehicle like she does at the end of Alien. Yeah, I don't really remember, but isn't isn't the beginning of Alien Three like? Isn't it the the smaller kind of escape pod breaking off of the oh, big ship? Oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. So what yeah. looks like a door, but has all of them in it. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, which is weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're in they're in the Sulaco, and uh, a facehugger wakes up and, or hatches, and then uh, breaks into uh, someone's <laughs> um, pod, which causes a fire alarm, and then jettisons the escape pod, and then fucking Newton Hicks just die in the crash. Because yeah. this is a really poorly designed escape pod. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a bit of a sticking point. Is like <laughs> this thing is designed to do what it did in this movie, and it killed most of the people aboard <laughs> while serving its function. Like they weren't like, oh yeah, it turns out that it accidentally landed in a volcano or something. I like, mean, the designers didn't know fan favorites would be aboard. <laughs> they probably would have <laughs> invested a little more time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, I guess uh, I, one thing I, I want to mention while we're on this is yeah. I, I liked the kind of the stark space intro and then the sort of dialogue free uh, quick cuts, almost yeah. like a montage of what's going on. Yeah, I, I thought that was sort of a cool combination of like the very slow space intro from Alien combined with something a little more like Aronofsky, like yeah. glimpse of acid burning the wall like just the you get the idea and sort yeah. of cutting through it real quick it told the story but it also left out enough that you weren't really sure what had happened so that as like because a big part of the first half of this movie is ripley trying to piece together what caused the crash um and like you didn't know uh, either um and that was mm-hmm. interesting so like that was one one thing to this movie's credit is yeah it kills newton hicks but it doesn't make their deaths like meaningless mm-hmm. like 
like Ripley clearly feels the weight and her character is informed by how she deals with like having all of this stuff taken away from her. Like she definitely like, this is a nihilistic Ripley. Mm -hmm. Like she seems to be responding to all this tragedy around her with like anger. Mm -hmm. Um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, like when she's, you know, just like, hey, Tywin Lannister, we're going to fuck now. Uh, <laughs> like she just she just gets kind of nihilistic. And I thought that was uh, interesting and also like felt pretty natural for that character to respond that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting mix with the with the new autopsy, which I imagine we'll get geez. into of sort of hardened in a way, but also, like, the layer of survivor's guilt, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought it was... They, they put that character through a lot. <laughs> but I, yeah. I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah. I mean, taken on its own terms, if you're willing to accept that this movie starts with Newton Hicks dying, like, if, you're, if you can just swallow that poison pill, you're, you're going to have a pretty okay time with this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, she crash lands on the, pra- on the planet Trent Reznor, and... <laughs> Uh, it turns out that it's it's actually called Fury One Sixty One, and it's a prison co- like a prison mining colony that's been a double Y chromosome work correctional facility. <laughs> if the captions are to be believed, yes. So it's it's it, you know it's basically Cool Hand Luke in space. And, um, it's been what we gather eventually is that it's basically supposed to have been shut down a long, long time ago. But there are these twenty five religious zealot weirdos <laughs> that like they found religion in prison and now they're like they've decided that they're just gonna sort of stay there and like rather than like relocate them to another prison facility, the com- Wayland Yutani company, which runs this prison because I guess we're all in anarcho capitalist land now, <laughs> um, has just decided, yeah, let these guys stay. We're gonna leave two prison administrators in a medical officer with them and that'll just be that Mm -hmm. um because we don't you know it saves us money to not have to relocate you idiots and you know you're the worst of the worst so we don't want you in society anyway um what did you think of the weird religious zealot prisoner guys well i I thought it was particularly interesting since this is seems like almost more of a topic of conversation now than it was when this movie was made but you were talking about sort of the you know a woman's body and her rights and things like that it it is it's an interesting point of view having a group of guys who has extracted themselves from society like yeah. they they seem convinced to save you know to save themselves to save everyone from them yeah so it it is sort of it jumps right in with kind of a an off center off kilter just i don't know societal view of sort of the that still somehow feels like putting it on women <laughs> <laughs> like we we can't be around these temptresses at, because they'll make us do evil. Yeah, um, yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think you might be right. Um, that is a little bit weird. So just just the idea that this discussion was happening in the mid '90s in a sci-fi horror movie, it, I find is is interesting. I'd expect something like that closer to now. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and it's it seems like. Dylan, who's the so the 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 leader of the prisoners is Dylan, and it's it's pretty clear throughout the movie that he's the one who's actually in charge. He's a prisoner himself. He's sort of the preacher of all of them, who like presumably helped them all find religion, um, which is sort of like a weird apocalyptic Christianity that isn't really ever spelled out. Um, they they quote sinners in the hands of the of an angry God more than once to give you an idea of the variety of Christianity we're talking about right here. But like 
it definitely doesn't 100% side with him regarding like what Ripley being there. So mm-hmm. like she, so, so she crash lands. It's pretty clear that Newton Hicks are dead. Um, she washes up on shore covered in like tar and bugs. Yeah. Um, cause grim, <laughs> and, uh, uh, Clemens, the medical officer who's played by Charles dance, Tywin Lannister <laughs> fucking finds her. Um, look at just dashing as hell too. Yeah. Um, and he, he brings her inside and starts sort of seeing to her and making sure she's okay. And she wakes up and like asks about, uh, you know, the, uh, the rest of them, uh, or about, about Newton Hicks finds out that they have actually brought the EEV ashore in this great shot where they're using oxen to pull this thing onto the beach, which I thought was fucking awesome. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah. I really like the idea that these guys like have pack animals, um, <laughs> that they're using for stuff just to sort of tend to this huge abandoned mining facility. Cause they said that it used to have like 3000 people working it yeah. and now there's 25 guys mm-hmm. um and she asks uh you know what about newton hicks uh and they're told they're dead we see this horrible shot of like hicks just mangled <laughs> like it's just viscera all over the inside of the eev because he had like been impaled by a piece of piling or something um or like a, a beam had like gone through his pod um and just destroy and just crushed him yeah they're pretty much carrying trash bags of what's left yeah out of the ship like you definitely there's a shot where you can definitely clearly make out like his jaw <laughs> like detached from everything else just sort of sitting somewhere <laughs> it's like, like fallout three yeah Don't loot it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's probably got some shotgun shells and some <laughs> bottle caps um which again like this is supposed to be an escape pod it just landed in the ocean like who fucking designed this thing? Maybe it wasn't made for fire, like that really threw it off or something. I don't know, man. Um, it's just a what a piece of shit. <laughs> gnarly Bishop will tell us a little bit about that later. <laughs> yes. Um, fucking Gnarly Bishop. Um, yeah, so Bishop has also been just destroyed, and they just threw him in the dump. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she, uh, so Ripley says, you know, she wants to see the EEV, so they take her to see it, and she cries over, you know, Newt's pod and everything. It's very sad. It turns out Newt drowned in her. Her pod mm-hmm. um <laughs> and um and uh then ripley notices an acid burn in the pod which like okay so how we're supposed to accept that the alien queen i guess after it had gotten aboard the sulaco had laid two eggs because mm-hmm. later we're going to see that there was another face hugger that impregnates an ox mm-hmm. um and that's where the alien in this movie comes from yes um now, we saw in Aliens that it needs that giant fucking, like, termite queen butt to lay eggs. <laughs> how did it lay two eggs? Also, when the facehugger was aboard the Sulaco, how did it get cut so it would bleed acid and set off the fire alarm? Like, where... Uh, the the facehuggers have acid blood as well, yeah. so that, I mean, maybe break- breaking breaking the pod, it cut itself or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh... That's I fucking, work harder to defend movies I like, you'll see. Yeah. That's fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, like. I, I, the, the thing is, I really did like the opening uh, acid blood shot in the credits. Yeah. Just I liked like, it too. just, I, I, I thought it did a great job of getting you back in the alien universe where, like, I think it was, like, face hugger legs coming up kind of like over the pod that was cool it was a like white spate suit material being soaked in blood that was cool and it was acid melting the wall it was like oh it is a new aliens movie yeah, <laughs> yeah that 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 was cool but but I, yeah the, i just have to point out the illogic of n- like not a great space pod <laughs> to help you out of a rather bizarre yeah. 
attack. So, like, <laughs> it just, like, the, the biggest plot point of this thing that everybody sticks on is, that, is those deaths at the beginning, and, like, they're hand-waving them. Like, <laughs> they, want, they wanted to kill Newton, Hicks, and Bishop so bad yeah. that they ignored <laughs> plot logic in order to do so. How many years later was this? Was she, like, uncastable as an actual character i mean i assume they chose this direction long before uh, but I'm just curious alien, aliens was like 1984 85 and this was 1991 so like newt had aged out right um so yeah i get that um yeah. but you can write her out without fucking murdering I, her i was just curious yeah. more than <laughs> anyway i i should stop harping on the, the the thing at the beginning let's just move <laughs> on from that anyway so ripley sees the acid blood and is immediately like oh fuck this shit again and um she's got some suspicions and says that they need to do an autopsy on newt then we get a scene where uh the little girl we already killed off screen gets her <laughs> chest cut open by tywin lannister with a bone saw yeah the fucking like lumber jacket kind um, <laughs> yeah um, it looked like it was gonna be kind of a lame special effect and then they splash blood on it in a a very effective gross manner yeah yeah this <laughs> this movie is effectively dark um i like how everything looks like a truck stop bathroom <laughs> <laughs> like this whole place is just awful um so the, the there's sort of like three schools of thought regarding ripley even being here so they've called the Wayland yutani company and have said like oh we've got one of your people she crashed here everybody else is dead and the company's like holy fucking shitballs we need to get her back she's a priority we're gonna be there in like a week um do we know how long it's been since aliens i don't think so no i get the impression not very long it's yeah certainly no 50 years like between yeah. one and two yeah definitely not um so yeah they uh so so the, the the three schools of thought there's clemens who's like fucking awesome like you you seem like you know what's going on we're gonna be friends mm-hmm. um and later we're gonna bone and uh <laughs> tells her about shaving her pubes right up front <laughs> like when she's barely conscious wait what he uh, tells her about the lice problem, and they're going to have to, like, shave her head. And he's like, and then when the time is right, I'll get you some clippers for your, your parts or something. He says something like that. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. I missed that. <laughs> and it's, like, still when she's groggy coming out. <laughs> it's like, wow. Fun existence for Ripley. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. Oh, so that's why she shaved her head. I thought she was just getting hard. Uh, <laughs> it's probably that, too. Prison changes a lady. <laughs> so... She, um, so the second school of thought is sort of the administrator, Andrews, and his his little assistant, 85, and I really love why he's called 85. So the prisoners got a hold of his file somehow and looked up his IQ. Turns out his IQ is 85. Um, he's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> he's a dumb guy. His worldview is limited, as, uh, as Hannibal Burris would say. So Andrews is basically like, we need to get this bitch off of this rock as soon as possible. Um, she is messing up the order of my little fiefdom, and my control over this place is tenuous at best, because every Everybody kind of already knows that the third party in this triumvirate, Dylan, is the one who's really in charge. Mm -hmm. We already talked about Dylan a little bit. He's the guy who helped the prisoners all find religion. And he basically sees, like, he's got an interesting take on Ripley being there, Um, which is, to me, seems like... Uh, hi Ripley through no fault of your own you are a problem for us and I don't hold that against you but I need you to get out of here mm-hmm. and keep you separate from my men because my men are awful people and they don't need the temptation that you represent yeah I and mean, um, he, he represents himself as a monster doesn't he he does yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which but he, he again doesn't seem to extend that into blaming her for that right right um, which is an interesting line for his character to walk I, what did you think of Dylan 
Um, I mean, I think going back a little earlier to what I was talking about, I'm sort of torn about it's it's an interesting conceit, and uh, you could almost call it an honorable decision, but it does still seem a little weird of yeah. like sort of blaming all your circumstances on like I'm a monster because of where I am and and what I was forced to do. Um, I, I did think it was it was an interesting approach, sort of trying to scare her but it doesn't seem like you're threatening her necessarily yeah. kind of as you're saying more just explaining the situation yeah just sort of here's where you're at sorry <laughs> yeah i mean i didn't i didn't take it as him uh or any of the prisoners really blaming their situation on their circumstances like he seems to be taking responsibility for himself um mm-hmm. and he kind of knows that it's on him and the other men to like act honorably he just knows that Come, like they don't have a great track record of doing so right so like you know you can train a wild animal not to fucking attack people but like maybe you still shouldn't get in the fucking cage with it mm-hmm. you know and that's <laughs> that seems to be more what he's trying to say um i like i i in general really really liked the dynamic between him and andrews and him and ripley like watching the way he leads the men was very cool mm-hmm. um and i i thought charles s dutton just kind of crushed it in this uh in in this movie I thought it was it was a pretty cool intro where uh, it's like the cafeteria lunch where this is kind of happening basically, yeah. and it it kind of turns into him giving a sermon, and I like it does this interesting camera move where it sort of pulls out and the audio of him talking is fading away, and it fades into what's clearly later because someone's talking to Ripley and um, I forget I think it's the doctor is, is yeah he's, he's explaining their fundamentalist religion yeah but it was just this real interesting kind of like audio fade from one thing into the other with a camera move that was actually also a time cut you yeah. realize yeah you can definitely like see some pretty finchery touches in here like mm-hmm. there's this is a like there's some craft in this um which is interesting and cool um yeah so uh they they perform the autopsy on newt because he uh ripley wants to make sure that newt doesn't have a uh an alien in her turns out she does not um much to ripley's relief um then uh meanwhile she's like okay well we gotta we gotta burn the bodies still we've got to cremate them um just in case yeah speaking Uh, of interesting like kind of finchery tricks is the uh intercutting the funeral with the birth (laughs) of the uh the alien that of the ox and or dog (laughs) that scene i don't know if it's intercut in the theatrical version because this is one of the main one of the big differences is uh one of two really big plot differences um, I don't know why they changed it in the theatrical version, but in the theatrical version, the alien comes out of a doggy named Spike, mm-hmm. um, who is seen earlier like barking at a face hugger, um, and then he like goes off into a pipe, and the fucking thing bursts out of him, and we see that the alien has kind of taken on the quadrupedal uh, sort of traits of the dog. Maybe mm-hmm. it's that they thought that the alien they created, which was sort of you know moves a little bit like a cat, was more believable coming out of a dog than an ox. Um, mm, that could be it. In the version we saw, the, uh, the, the there's a scene of these two guys bringing this ox that apparently just keeled over and died outside in. And they're like, fuck yeah, free ox. Um, <laughs> we're going to cut this thing up and eat it. Yes. Um, and they're super, one of them super stoked. The other one's got some questions about it. <laughs> um, and then the other guy... So I do have beef with how this scene ends. No pun intended. Because, um, you know, they bring the thing in. And then one of them's like, okay, we got to get to that funeral thing. Um, and then the other one just holds up the dead facehugger. Because as we all know, after a facehugger impregnates its host, um, it dies. He just holds it up. And he's like, hey, what's this? <laughs> like, you just found a fucking alien life form. How are you... You're just taking this shit in stride. <laughs> uh, 
Did that? Well, they aren't the brightest. <laughs> That's fair. Did that fucking bug you too? Uh, I mean, it's a little silly. I mean, it's it's certainly one of the more horror movie esque. Like, what's that hole in the fence? Let's wander through there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it sucked because I really liked the shot. Like, I liked how it was on is on this cool wide, and then he just sort of held it up. Like the, the the cinematography in this movie, for all like the dankness of all the production design, like I mean, David Fincher knows how to frame a shot. Yeah, totally. You know, it looked really good. Yeah, I mean it's this there's no real evidence of this in the movie, but I guess just as a as a devil's advocate point yeah. of view, is if there are twenty five people living on this planet that looks pretty crazy, like the shots of the outside or it's gonna be too cold and we have to get inside and it's always stormy. I mean yeah. maybe there's a lot of crazy shit out there That's true. that they can't I mean, really identify. Who knows how terraformed this thing is? I mean I mean all those fucking flies must be indigenous. Right. Like, <laughs> so maybe there's other shit around, like in those weird ass oceans and shit. <laughs> like maybe there are I mean, is it ever established in the alien universe, like whether or not they've encountered other alien life forms, intelligent or otherwise? Mm, i i don't i don't recall them ever sort of saying it yeah. like that if they, if they have i don't think so yeah they, they've know. all it's always seemed like kind of a, a boring drudgery space like they're out there to mine yeah. or to terraform like it's not to explore fun worlds and <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a working class space <laughs> some blue collar space movie yeah <laughs> yeah it's like dan connor presents space <laughs> <laughs> I would totally watch Dan Connor in uh, <laughs> Roseanne's Dan Connor in, uh, in an alien movie. That would be awesome, actually. Um, Has John Goodman been in a horror movie? I don't. I don't know. I mean, uh, Barton Fink's pretty horrific. <laughs> I um, would not want to see him running at me. No, <laughs> well, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I uh, yeah so maybe they are just dumb guys um and that's that's why the face hugger doesn't bug them but it, then it leads to that fucking awesome thing you're talking about where like charles s dutton's monologue about rebirth is intercut with the alien coming out of this ox and it's really cool yeah it's it's funny that it, it rem- reminded me a little bit of the thing considering that they ended up going with the dog <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that, but it is it is a little bit. I mean, especially since it's it's also like some isolated dudes on a base. All right. Um, it's a little yeah, bit thingy. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it it also looked like mostly physical puppet, right? The transformation, like the birth. Yeah, I know we get these wide shots of the alien, and I couldn't tell if they were like CG or stop motion or like. There a, were a few decent CG shots. I feel like it's mostly good looking models and pretty lousy looking compositing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I'm willing to forgive given when this thing was made. I mean, right. it's, it's from 1991, so... It, it was in an unfortunate era where it's sort of... It's not Back to the Future era where it's entirely charming that the special effects look like that, yeah. but it's still far enough back that it's like, oh, yeah, those are awfully clean black lines yeah. around that thing. And yeah, I I think it works fine for the most part. It's, it's a little bit of a shame just because this, this series is yeah. so much about how fucking terrifying it would be if this thing was standing next to you. Yeah. And to have it look kind of comped in yeah. takes a little away. I did really like the look of the baby alien as it walked away from the dead ox. I mm-hmm. think that... I, th- I feel like I saw a behind-the-scenes thing that it was like an actual practical puppet, and then they just comped the puppeteer out. Oh, um, that'd be cool. Yeah, like it's basically like a little marionette. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that that, that part, shot did look great. Yeah, just it's like this little quadrupedal alien just sort of toddling off to go <laughs> do some murders. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so then they... Uh, 
the 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 funeral scene is fucking awesome and mm-hmm. um then they uh they they i think like they still ripley still wants to kind of figure out what what caused the crash and everything so clemens points her in the direction of gra- going to grab bishop mm-hmm. um out of the dump and bring him back which leads to our second wonderful little bout of intercutting <laughs> um well this does does the does the fan thing happen before that uh, that's how I have it written down. Okay, is uh, my note about that is first. Gotcha. So, yeah. so I think that might have been right after the, the funeral. <laughs> Tell us about the fan scene. Um, so there's a, a maintenance worker kind of hanging out up in the fan vent and yeah. just really continuing the streak of don't go in the vents yeah. in these movies. Singing a Jim Croce song, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> I didn't notice what he was singing. He's singing in the year 2525 or whatever that, whatever that song's called. He's like, in the year 7510. Yeah. Uh, and is it, does he see the broken vent? Is that his only yeah. kind of hint? Yeah. And may it's like some sludge or, or exoskeleton or oh, whatever. Yeah, he the... finds like some molted skin um, from the thing. Yeah. Uh, so there we get what is presumably our first pretty gnarly attack we're going to see. And, first uh, of many. <laughs> yeah. And you, you see the fan in the background and you kind of figure maybe he'll get attacked and fall into it. I, I was not expecting the like on-camera slide into it, and uh, they describe him as diced later, which I yes. thought was very accurate. <laughs> you know, if anything, it was too neat a description for what happened to him. <laughs> Came up with the line before the, the gag. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, so he, he goes into the hole to investigate. Clearly sees the alien, by mm. the way, and then gets closer to it. Um, and then it, uh, it it uses its mouth in its mouth to uh, burst his head, mm-hmm. which beca- is going to become a theme. Like, that is how this thing attacks you. Yeah. Like, it doesn't use its tail. It doesn't use its <laughs> claws. It fucking, like, uses the mouth in its mouth to explode your brains. Yeah. I think it eats brains. I'm not sure about that. It does that. seem that way. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, that's its M.O. throughout this whole fucking movie. That's what it's going to do to you. Well, also, as, as we're going to talk about eventually, there's the uh, the character of Golic. Doesn't yes. Doesn't he give kind of a nutty, like they're after my mind or like there's oh does he say that i can't remember i think i have in my notes somewhere someone implies a little bit that kind of connection of like he's going crazy and the brain is being eaten and oh yeah i could i I mean i could see that the thing about like crazy characters in movies like this is like i often like their 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 ramblings turn into like white noise for me after a while Mm -hmm. and it's difficult for me to like parse through meaning though i know like any screenwriter is going to put little like foreshadowings in there because people like to pretend in movies that crazy people are like clairvoyant right um you don't remember a ton of a 12 monkeys brad pitt yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) Um, but yeah, like that, that I, I, I would buy that connection, but yeah, this, this, this guy's a brain eater. Um, (laughs) so then Ripley and Clemens are hanging out when Clemens gets called to this murder scene and they decide, oh yeah, this guy was a fucking idiot. He clearly just fell into the vent, but then, uh, Clemens sees an acid burn. Mm-hmm. Um, which like maybe this alien cut itself on like some grating or something. Who cares? Um, <laughs> whatever. I really liked the, how do you know it was Murphy? That's his boot. <laughs> there's just a severed foot sitting there. Cause this is a mean fucking movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, it's really mean. <laughs> like, Not a lot of hope. No. Why is it so angry? <laughs> uh, um, 
I don't know, man, man. This this like maybe the screenwriters just really internalized the whole grunge thing, and they were like, yeah, we need to just be as grim dark as we can. Yeah, and I mean, we, I think we kind of started, never really finished about the sort of the sorted backstory, but I, I believe this was like an unfinished script when they started. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> I I think it was still Wooden Planet full of monks. Oh, really? Like when the like when he came on. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's dumb. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, of course, people don't say these kind of things outright, but you do get the impression that it was sort of like Fox was looking for a first-time director they could kind of push around because they have this disaster project. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's when you don't have a lot of leverage. It's like, can you tell me a little bit more about this movie? No. (laughs) (laughs) You want to do it? (laughs) It's Alien 3. Do you want this, Mr. 27-year-old kid who wants to launch his career? Yeah, exactly. And then Fincher, I mean, it seems like Fincher was like, oh, here's a really unique opportunity for me to make something cool, like, and really put my stamp on it, because I'm David fucking Fincher, and I'm a really good director, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to go quietly into that good night, even at 27. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that's interesting about this that we can talk about, I guess here is as good a place as any, is the comparisons between this kind of Fincher and Gone Girl Fincher. Mm -hmm. Because as I've said before, I feel like you can draw a pretty clear line in Fincher's career in terms of the way he, uh, like, basically how subtle he likes to be. Mm -hmm. And the line is between Fight Club and uh, Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me at least, cause there's a pretty big gap between those two films, right? Sure. And, uh, it seems to me at least that he just calmed down a lot between them and not to take anything away from seven or fight club. They're really good. Mm-hmm. But when people say David Fincher esque, they talk about the dankness and the darkness and the grittiness of those movies, not like the patience of his later stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about you. I kind of prefer the later stuff because of how subtle it is. Because when it hits you, it hits you really hard. Like when, uh, when what's her name kills Neil Patrick Harris in Gone Girl. Um, <laughs> right. But like this, like this looks fucking David Finchery mm-hmm. in, in the early Fincher. Like this, this there, this feels kind of of a piece with seven. Yeah. And I think sort of you talking about the, the transition is in his career. Um, I'd have to think a little more about it, but I would think maybe Panic Room would be a time of like mm, I forgot about had, I always forget about had Panic a ton Room. of fun with the effects and really trying to see where I could go. Where a movie that I would argue, you know, it's you can start to see the style over substance a little more. Of like, I don't know why we needed to go through that keyhole other than it was neat. Like <laughs> it wasn't transitioning from anything particularly important or showing a juxtaposition or whatever. So I, I do wonder if that had to do with it of sort of mounting budgets, mounting creativity, and getting to go all all the way in that direction and then like all right well now i know how it all works i can do whatever i want and yeah. so let's be a little more stayed with it yeah yeah that, so that, i that, wonder if it was something like that yeah that makes a whole lot of sense i mean yeah i just I, I for all of like the studio meddling you're talking about like this the more i think about this movie the more i do think like you can you can point to some finchery shit going on here mm-hmm. especially if you think in terms of early david fincher rather than later david fincher yeah um so yeah that's that um okay so anyway murphy's dead and um we uh we 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 get the i guess the scene of ripley deciding she needs to reactivate bishop uh don't worry we're gonna go long on this one (laughs) um so she needs she decides she needs to get bishop up and running so she can ask him like what caused the crash because now she's hearing about this acid burn Mm -hmm. she's still not telling clemens what she's so worried about right which is interesting also at this point we're we still don't know she has a queen in her 
or an alien in her. Correct. Which I always thought this movie was the movie that starts with her having an alien in her. Um, hmm. Did you remember that from the first time you saw it? Like that they held back this reveal so late? I feel like when this movie came out, it would have been too much for me as a kid. But I think I liked the franchise and kind of found out about it before I ever saw it. Yeah. So I don't think I ever had it as a genuine reveal. Mm. It was one um, of those like schoolyard things. Yeah. yeah. I, I sort of recall being scared of the movie, but wanting to know everything about it kind yeah. of. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I did recall it being revealed earlier. Uh, I, I mean, I was kind of impressed how late in the movie it is yeah. and, and sort of, it's like an hour and a half in. Yeah. And that it, it doesn't feel totally out of place. I mean, we, we, we've, it seems like the universe is against her, so it's kind of a natural progression. Yeah. But, uh, I did think it's, it was an interesting move that you don't have a whole lot of lead in. I mean, I guess you see a face hugger in the intro with her, yeah. so it's not totally out of the question. But yeah. and they, also, they certainly didn't foreshadow it to death or anything. <laughs> no, and like it is like an interesting and cool process of elimination because mm-hmm. like we know that there was a face hugger on the ship that caused the crash because we saw it at the beginning, and then we know that fucking Hick. Well, I mean, I guess it could have been in Hicks, and he just got super mangled, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter. But we know it's not in Newt, so. We, you know, it, we kind of in our heads sort of put that to bed and think, oh, there was just a face hugger on board and then it survived the crash and mm-hmm. then it got in the ox and we never considered that there might have been two of them. Right. Um, but yeah, there was. <laughs> and uh, we're going to learn in a little bit that Ripley's got a face hugger in her. Um, so she reactivates Bishop yep. and he begs to die. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, she's she's almost raped. Is this? Oh, yeah, yeah. While she's getting Bishop out of the junkyard, she almost gets raped, but then Dylan saves her. Is that is that really the only time it kind of comes to a head with her and the prisoners? Yes. Okay, that's what yeah. I thought. Um, the rest of the time, I think pretty quickly after this, the alien starts killing people and they start <laughs> listening to her. Um, which yeah. you you'd think honestly that once the murders begin, she they would blame her a little more. <laughs> like, why did you not? Like, she kind of gets off easy. Like they. They they should have asked her like, why did you withhold this really important information? <laughs> Like, we could have been, like, under containment protocols this whole time, but you, like, why, seriously, why doesn't she tell them immediately? Like, there's an alien life form, you're not going to listen to me until the murders start, but there are going to be some murders. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't thought about that much. I guess, I guess it is just sort of standard movie, like, they'll all think I'm crazy and then lock me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that it doesn't. It's not expressed expressed real clearly. <laughs> yeah. Like, on, in <laughs> I mean, she might have trust issues in general. Yeah, it's true. Like, people do keep telling her she's... Like, it it is a trend over the other two movies that she tries to explain how deadly aliens are, and then no one listens to her. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it just keeps happening. So maybe she's just (laughs) like... And it turns out they really want to save it after he's told them about it. She's told them about it. Yeah, and, like, maybe she's just like, man, like, these Marines and corporate goons wouldn't listen. Do you think these fucking backwoods prison yokels are gonna... (laughs) Fuck it. I need to get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, um... They, again, did not back down from violence when Dylan saves her. Like, you can see some brain on that pipe he's swinging at people and stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he whips some ass. So, yeah, they... And I honestly, like, when that scene started and that dude, like, cuts her pants mm-hmm. open, I'm like, oh, my God, are we going to watch Ripley get raped? All right. Jesus. And then along comes Dylan, and I'm, I I honestly was very relieved. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it does not back down from violence. Like, And it's interesting because Dylan was the one who warned her, like, this is going to happen. But he still is the one saving her. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it isn't for him, again, a, like, oh, yeah, we, we, we're, we're, we're bad people and we're going to rape the shit out of you thing. It's a, 
you're surrounded by badness, you need to be on guard. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also recognize like morality. Um, And I have a struggle inside myself all the time. And I'm winning today. Mm-hmm. But who knows what's going to happen later, right? Like you know? he he thinks of himself as having to be strong for everyone else too. Kind mm-hmm. of, yeah. Um, he's a fucking really interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's walking a line. I like him. The more I think about Dylan, the more I like him. Um, he makes some decisions later in the film that I don't really agree with, but <laughs> we'll we'll get to those. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So she 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 plugs Bishop in um, in a really interesting, just like shoving needles into his ear and shit. Because <laughs> um, we because we have to destroy everything about the franchise. Yeah. I mean, maybe since they thought this was the last one, maybe that's what they're trying to do is just like strip away every single thing that she ever had, um, and then just you know leave just salt the earth behind this thing. <laughs> um, like they really want to be done with aliens. Um, I don't know. Uh, and I mean, I guess, I don't know, you'd, you'd probably know better as a writer, but, like, if you, if if your main character is dying at the end, do you feel pressure to make it like they kind of have nothing to lose and, like, it would make sense that they would be willing to sacrifice themselves? Like, could I mean, there be some of that, do you it's think? A, it's a direction you can go in. I mm-hmm. think, like, if you're going to tell this story, this is a pretty effective version of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it kind of reminds me of, spoiler alert, um, the last few episodes of Mad Men. Because mm-hmm. the last few episodes of Mad Men are very much about taking things away from Don Draper. Right. And, like, reducing himself, reducing him to his core self. And then seeing what he does in that moment. And that seems to be what this movie wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do, 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 do you feel that connection? Or am I just I can see that in the that, wind here? Well, it, it is a little bit sort of like, well, what are you going to do now? Where she was a little bit more the defenseless lone survivor in the first one. Yeah. That sort of had to rise to the occasion. Yeah. And now it's... it's um, Uh, a little bit more like all right well you're kind of a seasoned professional at it now and on your own in a lot of ways so sort of the difference in handling Mm -hmm. of the situation where like she doesn't have a captain dallas or whatever to yeah to try and help her out yeah who like in the first one captain dallas is pretty much the star of the show until he gets eaten yeah that must Um, have been a shocker at the time yeah that movie is really really good at like structural left turns um, i i like alien a lot yeah um it's so good so uh bishop, bishop likes her haircut bishop does like her haircut i like that a lot um, yeah yeah he's just charming as ever when he shows up um god bless you lance hendrickson you're a national treasure yeah really kind of putting him through the shit for this movie like he gets maybe one shot without a lot of prosthetics on him and stuff god yeah um yeah he's that some shit's gonna happen later guys uh yeah he uh he tells her basically there was a contaminant on board um and she surmises from the information that he's given her like she didn't already fucking know right. there was an alien you saw the acid burns like why did we take so long to get here i mean i'm into like the procedural like sort of nature of what's going on mm-hmm. and i'm down to let this thing be a bit of a slow burn um no pun intended but uh it does like when i think about that i'm like oh you you could have like figured this out earlier maybe she thought it was an unrelated catastrophe in her life (laughs) (laughs) yeah um like i don't know why she needs more information but i do like like i like this scene enough that Mm -hmm. like i'm like okay cool yeah um nice to get closure with someone from the fucking second movie (laughs) when he's like it's dark and my legs hurt like um, (laughs) shut me down i don't want to be like this I thought that was interesting. Like, 
I'm sure it's more just kind of a fun character beat to throw in there. Mm-hmm. But the, like, apparently their droids are self-aware enough to want to die sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, when he says, like, they could rebuild me, but I'd never be top of the line and I don't want to live like that. Uh-huh. Like, Jesus. <laughs> like, that sounds like it's treading. Like, maybe we gave him a little too much awareness. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did you build these? <laughs> like, he's got more going on, like, in terms of an inner life than, like, data. Was it a, <laughs> you serve butter. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, what was that? So Rick and Morty. Oh yeah. Is the little butter robot. <laughs> what is my purpose? Yeah. You serve butter. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, <laughs> uh, Rick and Morty's coming back yeah. today. Yes, I'm really, today. Really, really excited. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, Rick and Morty a hundred times Rick and Morty, <laughs> www.com. Um so good. <laughs> yep. The dragon it feeds on my mind. Is oh, what uh, that's Gallic what he says. says in my notes. Yeah. yeah, so this is this scene is this the one that's intercut with Gallic and the other two guys um, running away from uh, what Gallic refers to as the dragon? Mm, it's my note after waking up Bishop, so probably. <laughs> okay, so they go out um, and and uh, they need to go light some candles. Why are they lighting these candles? Is it just so you can see down this weird ass hallway? I mean, it, it seemed to go along with sort of the religious imagery, but I don't know if they really... It's like a shriny sort of thing, right. I think. Um, it was weird. Whatever. Um, so these guys go out on an expedition, and the other two guys really don't want to go with Gallic, um, played by uh, the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann. <laughs> um, there's a, a headcanon version in this movie where something really horrible has happened to the Eighth Doctor, and he ended up on Fury 161, and he had like a head injury, so he doesn't remember that he's a Time Lord, um, and he doesn't remember where the TARDIS is or anything, and he's just got to deal with this. Too grim for a help. <laughs> yes. Oh no, the helper died when the TARDIS crashed. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to him. Found water in her lungs. No, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Filled with fluid, <laughs> indicating that she drowned. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why is this movie so mean? Uh, um, it's the nineties. Yeah, it's so nineties, <laughs> and not the fun ska nineties later, <laughs> like. The sad 90s, when we all realized that hair metal sucked. (laughs) The Pearl Jam 90s. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we also have the realization they have no weapons as they're kind of... Or I guess the the attack with... The two guys get attacked with Gallic first, is that right? Yeah, the two guys get attacked with Gallic and he runs away. He gets spattered with blood and then he comes back and he's just... (laughs) Right in the face. Yeah. He he hangs out eating some milk and he's gone crazy. Now, the cool thing about Gallic, though, is that he's like sort of like portrayed as the lovable misunderstood simpleton Mm -hmm. um like we we kind of they want us to sympathize with this guy um that's the feeling i got from him at least initially is that he's kind of put upon and like he's there's there's a little bit of crazy eyes from orange is the new black in him Uh um where like oh man if people just like paid a little bit more attention to this guy and gave him a little bit more love like you know maybe everybody'd be a little bit happier Mm -hmm. um and he just went through a really horrible trauma and like he's reacting for him in a pretty understandable way by just kind of (laughs) trying to block it out and talking about this dragon he saw uh-huh. um and that like for later that's going to be an interesting thing that this movie does um which is yeah, anyway um we'll get there <laughs> so uh he comes back and i guess ripley hears about the, the 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 attack and is like oh yeah no clearly there's a fucking alien guys like we need to deal with this <laughs> um now it's time for me to tell you all this shit um and he's ta- she's talking to clemens oh yeah so earlier when she was talking to clemens he like hinted at some backstory because he's got a ta- a barcode tattoo like the other prisoners do and she's like but you're not a prisoner what's your deal mm-hmm. so then they have this scene after Gallic has been restrained in the infirmary and he's ranting about this dragon um 
there's a scene and like she's set her piece to everybody and they're like no fuck you there's no dragon this guy <laughs> Gallic clearly just killed two people like he's a murderer right right um and then they have that quiet scene between clemens who's pretty much been like the male lead of the fo- of the movie so far yeah definitely um he's the dallas which should give you an idea of what's about to happen <laughs> to him um but he reveals his backstory and is like oh yeah i medical malpractice yada 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 um and that's how i ended up here and she's like, oh, that's sad. You know, we, we, we we're having a moment. And then just as they're having a moment, the fucking alien shows up behind <laughs> him and kills him by exploding his brain. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> with Gallic watching. <laughs> yeah. Again. Um, <laughs> did you feel that as much of a left turn as I did? Like that came as a really big surprise to me. This is also something I think that was a little reworked from looking through the yeah. the different things. Uh, like, I don't think that you saw it entering the room and like Gallic seeing it and he's restrained and stuff. Yeah. It definitely like, well, like what? What's sort of the outcome of after he attacks Scott, like the, two, the alien attacking them? Like, is it just kind of on the loose? Like, yeah. it felt like it just kind of showed up in the infirmary in a weird way. But I guess it was still, yeah, it just kind of out it, there. It just showed up in the infirmary. Maybe, maybe it followed Gallic's scent. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it. I guess it did feel it kind of in a way like, um, you know, when you're watching your favorite serialized show. And uh, a character who's not the star starts monologuing, and you're like, oh, someone's going to die soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it did feel a little bit like that. Like, let's uh, let's tidy this up so he can be extracted from this film <laughs> quickly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I bought it. Like, I mm-hmm. thought, oh, this is going to be the story of Tywin Lannister and Ripley fighting an alien. Fuck yes. And then it just very suddenly was not that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have in my notes... Uh... The doctor is taken after getting Ripley. Hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. He gives her a special cocktail of his own devising. And I really, really liked the intercutting between like the alien stalking and her getting injected with a sedative. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh my God, she's impaired now. <laughs> like, it's very good at like establishing, oh, this is going to be even harder than usual. But then the alien does a strange thing. <laughs> um, it, she's all cowering. Um, and then it comes up to her and we get that really iconic shot from this movie of the alien, like kind of pressing its forehead to her face mm-hmm. and like presumably like sniffing her, even though it doesn't really have a nose. <laughs> um, and then just turning away mm-hmm. without killing Gallic either. Um, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it doesn't kill Gallic. I'm not worried about it. Um, yeah. I mean, this movie it's full, I guess. <laughs> yeah. This movie is, is the, talking through it. Now I'm realizing how much like plot convenience it's consuming, <laughs> but like, eh. It's, I mean, it's still better than Alien versus Predator by like, yeah. all, it's still, it's way better than Alien Resurrection. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, well, well I was going to say the, the alien, uh, getting all up in Risley's and, uh, Ridley, Ripley. Ripley's business <laughs> is, uh, it's probably the creepiest thing that we see until Resurrection when there's bizarre yeah. sex scene with the hybrid queen thing. Yeah. Like this, this movie's got that plot convenience, something. And if you're willing to, except the deaths at the beginning, then that's probably the worst thing about it. Um, it doesn't have any ideas in it as bad as the ideas in alien resurrection. <laughs> like that shit is way misbegotten. Uh-huh. Um, like this, honestly, for all like the grim dark of it, it doesn't really, to me at least feel like a huge betrayal of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like? Let's talk about that for a second, if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, especially considering how different the second is, the second one is from the first one. Yeah, I think it it feels like an appropriate kind of 
extension of what they're doing kind of like kind of like the mad max like it it doesn't have to be necessarily exactly the same genre it's more sort of exploring the same world in different ways yeah um i mean i think there's enough interesting going on in this movie that it works i i'm I'm trying to think of whether it would have worked better as a non-alien sequel like is there a quickie explanation for how people get in that situation yeah i don't um, know (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it to me, it doesn't feel like a huge departure. Yeah. Like, at Resurrection feels like a bigger departure where it becomes kind of like a ragtag, uh, like, hyper-reality kind of thing. It's about <laughs> space pirates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, a <laughs> fucking bad movie. Um, <laughs> real bad. Um, anyway, so uh, the alien kills Clemens, and people are still not believing Ripley that it was there. Um, and the base administrator, the, the the officer in charge, continues to rant about uh, you know the, um, the about you know Gallic having killed people and how there's nothing to worry about. And then the alien fucking kills him in front of everybody. <laughs> um, so then you know we 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 get out of the way of the whole like is there or isn't there a threat thing, which is such a like horror movie trope that I'm glad to be rid of it in this. <laughs> movie <laughs> yeah you know like the main character trying to convince people that you know the shark really is there mm-hmm. when people are like oh there's no shark we <laughs> caught the shark don't worry about it um <laughs> like let's just i don't need to watch that anymore um so i'm glad that we're not doing that um i agree yeah so then they uh they start coming up with a plan um which uh you, you want to talk about what their plan is or is this when this is when they start talking plan right yeah this is sort of when they're officially teaming up i th- i believe yeah. and um so essentially there there's this is a big what is it a lead refinery what is this thing they're in <laughs> it's like a mining colony it involves a lead refinery um, yeah so anyway there's lots of big scary rooms and and tunnels and things around so this is plan plan number one a lot of industrial flammable shit yeah so this is sort of their their first iteration of a plan to uh i mean in sort of classic alien fashion like corner it and seal things off behind it and work it into a smaller and smaller area so they can trap it yeah is sort of where the plan leads they uh they find the uh what sounds like agent orange or something like that um what's the description he like he dropped it on a base or something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he what i like the um this is the hunter from jurassic park is that who that actor is the like the bald head they're all fucking bald but the, like oh, the hunter yeah from from the lost world isn't it yeah that's right i knew it was from one of those movies yeah. De- like isn't he and ripley are getting out like a big drum of the explosive and he yeah. says something about how he like he dropped it somewhere when he needed to explode the whole thing or there there's there's some intro to how badass this stuff is gotcha. you know it's um it's, it's what's going to save us in the Black Harbor. <laughs> yeah. <Like. laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's Greek fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's super flammable, toxic waste. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of exposition, sort of them talking through how they're going to trap this thing and kill it with this chemical. And yeah. that's the, the main gist of it from what I recall. Yeah. I mean, the, the basic idea is sort of everyone working together, like the little rascals. Yeah. <laughs> but Hey everybody, let's put on a show. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, their whole plan is, uh, we're going to paint pretty much every surface <laughs> with this shit and then light it and use the fire because we know the thing runs around in the vents. So we're going to paint all the vents with flammable shit and then use the fire uh, to drive it into this one giant toxic waste storage room that was never used, which is this big, giant, dark, empty room. Mm-hmm. And we're going to drive it in there and then seal it. And then we're just going to fucking wait for help to come. <laughs> um, 
even though Ripley eventually learns that help is, you know, going to come in the form of the Wayland yutani company, who's going to do the thing with the alien they always want to fucking do, right. which is capture it and research it and weaponize it. Um, uh-huh. which, the help isn't for them. No. <laughs> no. It's to save them from these treacherous people trying to destroy their uh, their investment. Yes. Um, so, yeah, they uh, they the, 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 then a thing that happens that I really, really love, which is... They try the plan, and it... Well, actually, the plan does end up kind of working, but at great cost. <laughs> um, there is that great shot, uh, or that great scene, where there's one dude in the vents, and he's... They've all got these little, like, flares, basically, that are supposed to ignite the shit. Um, and they're going to all ignite it in turn to sort of coordinate the explosion. And he's carrying his around... Everybody's carrying it around in their teeth, which, like, do you guys not have pockets? <laughs> like, come on. Um but he drops his, and then he's reaching down, and we've got this great shot. This movie, by the way, uh, something I need to mention in terms of the cinematography is this movie is way into like shooting people like from super low angles. Mm-hmm. Like all the goddamn time, we are looking up people's noses, <laughs> and I don't know why it's shot that way. Like I think as the movie goes on, it sort of gets more level uh, to try and humanize them. But at the beginning, especially, like every shot is like where it's like the big, it's like Citizen Kane shots of like <laughs> we're way way down here at their feet, looking super up at them mm-hmm. to the point where it was a little bit distracting. And I was glad when the movie kind of got away from that. Um, and I don't know, I'm, did you notice that? Like, did it did I it f- bug you too? Mm, I don't know that it bugged me. I thought uh, what it might have been trying to do was sort of tie in thematically with how many POV alien shots there are. Mm. And now that it's like on four legs and low and running around, okay. like kind of the intermixing with how many perspective shots they were going to have from it. Yeah. Later. later I mean, maybe later, it's later. There's like mad Raimi cam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into some Raimi cam. <laughs> and even like the aspect ratio, like if you watch some of the shots that they use, like he's really all over the place. It seems like the frame rate is going up and down to, to exaggerate some things. It's, yeah. it's pretty cool. It definitely, it feels very early Raimi. <laughs> yeah. I like it a lot. Um, but anyway, there's when the guy uh, the guy drops his flare and he's reaching down and we get this great shot looking up at him so we can see up the shaft and like it's so well timed and choreographed in that David Fincher way <laughs> that like he moves to the side just a couple of inches so you can see the shaft behind him in the frame and then out of focus behind him is the alien <laughs> and like honestly if it doesn't call attention to itself at all it's just this little bit back there because david fincher is a really goddamn good director (laughs) and fox can't stop him from being that entirely (laughs) like like, i i loved that Mm. it it was like watching a a little moment of protest (laughs) it was great and a great callback where like the the first probably both movies the first two had some fun fun stuff for the keen-eyed viewer yes (laughs) there's definitely like little moments of hey what's that thing oh it's totally the alien um yeah uh so then he uh he gets his flare back he looks up aliens right there like and it it, it explodes his brains like it's into (laughs) and then everybody hears the guy dying and they're like oh no and then they see in slow motion the flare dropping (laughs) um and then it just ignites everything and they're like oh fuck now everything's on goddamn fire, including most of the prisoners. Yeah. This is, is when most of them die. It's one of the biggest practical explosion scenes I remember ever seeing. Yeah, it's it's so many explosions. <laughs> like, everything is suddenly on fire. And on top of that, the aliens running around killing people. Mm-hmm. Like, 
the, the plan at this point is going as poorly as a plan can go. <laughs> I loved this sequence. Yeah. Like, just the fucking up and... First of all, I really, really like it. Um, it's something that our, our friend Dan has said before um, that I've really internalized because he's right. Is like, it's really fun to watch the good guys have a plan and then watch the plan not work. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, through no real fault of their own. Because right. this one fucking yutz just fucked up. <laughs> um, like, it wasn't a bad plan. Mm-hmm. It just fucking... Sorry, you guys had limited resources. Um, yeah, I put a must have cornered the market on flame retardant gel. Yeah, just so many people on fire running around. <laughs> there are a lot of people on fire. <laughs> like, oh yeah, so a lot of burn victims. So eventually, the sequence. So in the theatrical version, there's just fire, and then they're like, "Well, fuck, I guess that didn't work." Uh-huh. Um, and that's how it goes, and that sucks. Like, I'm really, really glad that this version doesn't have that because in this version. There's that great shot of like the alien like is sort of bearing its fangs at a bunch of people who are like down the hall from it, and then this guy shows up behind it and he just makes a decision. He's like, "I'm gonna fucking take one for the team right now," mm-hmm. and he goes, "Come on, motherfucker!" and he just runs for the door for the room they were gonna trap it in and goes in, and the alien follows him and kills him, and then they just seal them both in. Mm-hmm. So the plan works, uh, ish. Um, I can't remember if it was necessary for part of the plan, but I thought it was kind of a weird beat how they listened to hear him screaming as he's murdered and then break the button for the sprinklers. When it was like, that was the goal, that's what they were running for, but they're going to take a moment of silence to listen to this dude eviscerated by a monster. <laughs> a rape monster. It's <laughs> 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 my least favorite kind. <laughs> it is the worst kind of monster. Yes. Like, by a lot. <laughs> uh, please do not think we are minimizing the tragedy and horror of rape. It is um, part of what makes this monster so effective. Oh, yeah. Um Jesus. So yeah, the plan totally works. Like mm. they're fine at this point. <laughs> um, then uh, they there's some good exposition of like uh, Ripley talking to the 85, who is the only like administrator left at this point because Clemens is dead. And well, I was just gonna ask, dead. do we know how many people are left total? Like an approximation, yeah, or? like eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, counting Ripley and 85, probably 11 or 12. Because mm-hmm. um, the rest of them, you know, they're like, okay, I guess we're we're gonna be fine. We just gotta wait for the company, and then Ripley. Uh, uh, I think at this point Ripley starts Ripley hears that they said that she was priority to get back and she's like I need to go use the medical scanner um, on the EEV um, mm-hmm. my escape pod and then she uses it and sees that there's a queen inside of her and she's like that's why the company wants to get me back because all the data from my high, from my cryosleep pod was relayed back to them as I went so at once I was impregnated before it crashed like they would know mm-hmm. um, that, am I getting that right? That's, yeah that's how I remember it yeah um, so she's like, oh, yeah, they're coming and they're going to take me and we can't let this fall into their hands. I got to figure something out. Um, meanwhile, Gallic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you go, go ahead. <laughs> um, well, I just I thought I'd throw out there. That's that's my next note after this one. But the uh, one of my favorite Finchery things we were talking about was I believe that is uh, when they're eulogizing sort of all the prisoners that died in the in the flame wars <laughs> and <laughs> the uh, flame wars. <laughs> Flame wars change it, man. <laughs> and, burning, <laughs> and and there's I guess kind of the opposite of all the uh, all the bottom up shots is there's a shot from like a grate that's high up looking down on um, on Dylan sort of eulogizing and bodies lying around and stuff, and it and it does like an angled pull back to see um, is it Ripley in eighty five yeah. talking. 
yeah, uh, of them sort of up top looking down on the whole thing. But it was just a beautiful camera move to reveal the two of them (laughs) where you just get the eulogy in the beginning. But yeah, probably the f- most fun thing in the entire movie for me was a uh, was Gallic uh, escaping, and he wants to let the alien out because he wants to commune with it or something. Yeah, it's, like, it's a little bit vague, crazy guy. Yeah, he like he's he's basically worshiping the dragon mm-hmm. um, because he's losing his mind, and he's like, oh, I, I want to give myself to it um, because he's he has glimpsed terrible divinity, which is like sort of a twisted reflection of the the religion of these prisoners, which like we haven't been talking about much, but they are like all super religious. Right. Um, so this is like his book of revelations or something. <laughs> yeah, that's the feeling I got from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this so much <laughs> as like a subversion of the, the, the lovable simpleton trope because mm-hmm. he's been played so sympathetically up until now. <laughs> like we are so rooting for Gallic and mm. then he just fucking cocks everything up so bad. So yeah, we get a pretty brutal throat slash, like something that would totally work on Breaking Bad or whatever today. Yeah. I'm accompanied sorry. with sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> and I'm sure at the time it was way darker than something like that would be now. Oh, yeah. Of like, we, we frequently have jokes like that on TV and stuff. Oh, yeah. But I think at the time that must have been like most people terrified, a few twisted people laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it a lot. Um, <laughs> and then he opens the door. Yeah. And uh, he goes in and he, he he screams and then you just hear him scream and then the alien scampers off. <laughs> and like, I mean, can you imagine how it would have played if like their fucking crazy ass scheme had just not worked? Like, well, we were discussing before we were trying to sort of narrow down all the differences yeah. since we both watched the special one. Was was that the original? Like it just sort of they didn't catch it and he yeah. didn't let it go? Yeah, I think that's what it is. So I, I've got the Wikipedia up here and it says... Um, uh, with Aaron's help, she discovers the embryo of an alien queen. Oh, wait, here we go. Uh, Ripley rallies the inmates and proposes they pour highly flammable toxic waste, which is stored at the facility, into the ventilation system and ignite it to flush out the creature. An explosion is caused by the creature's premature intervention, resulting in several deaths. Using the uh, medical equipment, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, yeah, that's the the sort of... Hmm gist of it um so yeah i'm i'm pretty sure that the main difference is that like the all the gallic shit just does not happen huh um yeah i mean the from a horror movie perspective i mean simplicity isn't always bad it like it could be a little convoluted to trap it and then it's released again and now you're fighting it again and you have plan number two um, I, I, I do think you lose a lot of interesting character stuff like i think it makes this a far less interesting movie yeah without that aspect of it yeah i i really really like the the quiet that happens because of this mm-hmm. like i like being able to breathe for a second and then finding out that the Whalen yutani company's coming and like like it just it it all holds together in a very satisfying way for me um that- well, when when you say the quietness i actually really liked some of the action sequences where they remove the dialogue like with the uh like kind of bombastic like orchestral terrifying music instead where like you can clearly see people screaming at each other but there's no dialogue like i remember that it happens a few times um (laughs) i was watching with captions and it said like no audible voice like in brackets so that probably drove it home for me but he did that a few times which is always i i think used to great effect when done properly of like i think maybe in the explosion and a couple other places oh okay that's that's pretty good stuff. Um, 
Yeah, so it sounds like uh, the work print has uh, Junior sacrificing himself, um, which, like... And then the 2003 Special Edition has Gallic escaping. Um, yeah, so... Sorry, uh, we shouldn't <laughs> be doing this on the air. Um, but yeah, that's that's the main stuff, is that the uh, is that Gallic does manage to, you know, set the thing free. And it's like, oh, no, this sucks. Um <laughs> I think it was getting a little late in the movie and the night for me. My next note is lots of hemming and hawing. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it mainly sort of like, should we wait for Wayland Yutani? How should we fight this thing? Can we fight this thing? Like, is a lot of argument about that. Isn't that kind of what happens between that attack and the final attack? Um, Yeah. Yeah. The the hemming and hawing is you know trying to figure out you know what what we're going to do um because they they decide they're going to um their plan at one point is just like okay we're going to sit in this room where where we have a lot of visibility and we are going to try and stab it to death if it comes close (laughs) um and everybody kind of gets that that's not going to work um so uh and 85 is kind of like wants to wait for rescue but the prisoners are like they're not going to rescue us yeah "Hmm." yeah so they uh then then one of them has the idea oh wait the furnace um, mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's get down into the furnace and then we can uh, lure it into uh, the the lead. Basically, just a big pit where you drop molten lead for some damn reason. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to drop a bunch of lead on it. Um, so their plan at this point is to run. It's a little bit like the first plan, except instead of fire, they're going to use people. Um, <laughs> so the plan is to let it is to use themselves as bait and chase it through different corridors like there's there's like a big maze of corridors and they're going to run down a given corridor and then slam a door behind them and just close doors and funnel the thing into the lead chamber and then drop lead on it mm-hmm. um this sequence uh doesn't really work for me because i think there's too many people involved and we don't have a clear enough idea of the space mm-hmm. um I it took the drama out of it for me because I didn't know like where anybody was in relation to anybody else and I got that we were supposed to feel confused along with the prisoners mm-hmm. but I think this would have been much better if there had been like three guys running and they had had to run farther individually and they had like spelled that out. I think the whole thing's a little bit overcomplicated. What do you think? I I agree that especially considering it's part of the Alien franchise even though it wouldn't have worked plot-wise it did feel like something where you need um, the controller watching the screen and like the dots are, you know, approaching for yeah. a little better idea. Holy shit, it disappeared. And yeah, um, that I, I would agree <laughs> the motion that detector was it was in aliens for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I would agree that you tend to lose sense of geography and it tends to kind of trip up the tension a little bit yeah. when you're not quite sure, like who's being pursued. Are they really fucked or do they have a lot of space? Like yeah. it's, yeah, it, it could have um, sort of been orchestrated a little yeah. cleaner. Oh, yeah. And before this, uh, sorry, I forgot. Uh, Ripley has said, like, oh, I, I, I don't have the balls to commit suicide. The, the movie becomes kind of about suicide for a second mm-hmm. um, in a way I don't really like. Um, because, <laughs> she, she asked the preacher to kill her or to ask um, yeah, what's like, his name. Right? Because she doesn't, I guess she can't kill herself. She doesn't have the balls to or something. Um, she just says, like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Will you kill me? And then he does the cliched thing of swinging a weapon at someone and then landing it next to their head as Mm -hmm. a way of showing mercy Uh which i hate um (laughs) someday they'll accidentally just injure them badly (laughs) yeah oh god this is so much worse (laughs) (laughs) and what you started (laughs) 
<laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> oh God, someone put that in a thing. Um, so yeah, they um, they uh, he he says they make a deal that after they've killed the alien, then Dylan will kill Ripley, mm-hmm. which I don't fucking get at all. <laughs> Pinky um, swear. Yeah, like he doesn't like to be beaten. I think it says. Yeah, kinda, and it just like, it feels, doesn't like to quit or whatever. It feels thin. I would have loved it if she, if he said like, "No, like you are an asset. Like you can approach this thing, and none of us can." Like, yeah, especially since she gets used for that later. To yeah, to, I thought a pretty cool effect. Hmm. Yeah, like why would we? Like his argument should be, "Why would we give up this advantage?" Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, it's no. <laughs> um, and like, la- like I'm because it seemed he was saying like I am against murder. But I'll totally kill you later. Like, <laughs> I didn't get that. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe he's just a procrastinator. I don't know, man. Um, so then they're, they're later. Uh, they're running. Everybody's running through the corridors, and it's all confusing and weird. And uh, then uh, a lot of Raimi cam. Lots of Raimi cam, and I loved how <laughs> the Raimi cam would like, go up on the ceiling and the walls <laughs> and shit. That was real cool, um, and a great way to to you know lose alien screen time because the more you look at that thing, the dumber it looks. Um, yeah. it's Compton pretty awkwardly. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, what are you gonna do? I feel like even the shots of it running and stuff, like it's not great, but you can yeah. deal with it. But it's like the when it's facing down somebody, and yeah. you can clearly tell it's not there. Yeah, like in real life, that's when it's kind of like. Uh, yeah that bugs me (laughs) oh also we forgot to mention there's an earlier scene where ripley goes and hunts the thing by herself with a length of pipe and uh there's that weird shot where she like thinks she sees it and then she stabs it in the head and it turns out she just stabbed a pipe because she's going crazy yeah which like what i was really hoping that was is she just found one of its molted skins Mm -hmm. and like oh yeah you just killed like it's a shell that it left behind um, but it turns out, I guess, that that wasn't what happened. Yeah, I did find that slightly confusing. Like, um, did she confuse it for the pipe? <laughs> was it yeah. and then in she anger? Comes, <laughs> and that's when she comes back later and is like, I need to die. Like, this thing won't... I saw it an hour ago. Like, it won't touch me. Um, and that's how she kind of knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the the to get back to the, the way the whole thing kind of plays out, um, finally they get it funneled into the lead chamber and Ripley climbs out and the aliens climbing out after her. And then Dylan says, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to fight it. Um, so he can kind of keep it trapped there. Mm-hmm. And then he manages to last way fucking longer than anybody else does <laughs> with his bare hands against the alien. Uh-huh. While another prisoner who's managed to escape, uh, drops a bunch of molten lead on it. He also at one point again refuses to kill it. Oh yeah, no. The, the, at this point, Ripley says, no, I'll keep it down here, which makes total sense because she wants to die anyway. <laughs> and then he says, no, you die later. Like, fucking why? Like, Why? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. Um, so they drop a bunch of molten lead on Charles S. Dutton, and also an alien, and yeah. they're like, all right, but then it jumps out, covered in molten lead, and Ripley has to hit the sprinklers and douse it, because, okay, how does that work? I'm pretty sure that's a, it's like a temperature differential thing. Yeah, you know science better than me. Like, can you explain this? <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't swear that this would work. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's it's just sort of the idea of, like, maybe super cooling it, or, um, like, super heating it up, and then dousing it with cold water. Yeah. So sort of the idea that the temperature differential on the outside and the inside is so great that it just breaks away the barrier between, kind of like... Um, like, have you ever seen something microwaved and then it explodes afterwards, sort of because it's, like, superheated condition? 
kind of maybe i mean i could buy like oh yeah you're super cooling the lead that it's covered in and all the lead like contracts really quickly Mm -hmm. um i don't know but for some reason the alien explodes right Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't get that i mean maybe i don't know enough science like oh i don't know anyway um that's what happens whatever (laughs) um well, because, you get your, your freak out moment where it survives and then is quickly dispatched anyway. Yeah. But, and I really liked actually the shots of it like scrambling mm-hmm. um, and like look, it looks really convincingly like a panicked animal. Like the big freaky veins are like growing on the side of it and yeah, stuff. That's cool. It was <laughs> yeah. cool. So they managed to, to take it out. Um, meanwhile, through all of this, Andrew or 85 has been upstairs just waiting for the company um, and they land. It's like and, Paul Reiser's going to be here. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> and they look super Terry Gilliam out these motherfuckers <laughs> there's like an asian doctor wearing chrome sunglasses that also have like a monocle on them uh-huh. um they, they look like 12 monkeys soldiers yeah like there's a bunch of like soldiers wearing gas masks with big puffy white outfits on <laughs> like <it's, laughs> there's a dude with a giant camcorder yes <laughs> hundreds of years in the future <laughs> yes we have spaceships, but yeah. <laughs> iPhone is uh, and, still a ways away. And also with them is fucking Bishop. Yeah. Um, who, you know, they, they make their way down and like, hey, Ripley, we can totally cut this thing out of you and we're definitely going to kill it. <laughs> um, pinky swear, we're going to kill it. <laughs> um, and she's like, how can I trust you? I don't think I can. And then she goes out to jump into the, 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 the lava or the molten lead, which now for some reason is glowing, whatever. Um, yeah, was it the same thing? I couldn't it tell. It might have been like a separate pot of, I mean, there's a lot of molten shit around, whatever. Because it, it looked like it, whatever they dumped Hicks and, um, and Newt into. Yeah. So I, I wasn't sure exactly what that pit was and if it was the lead pit or if it was a different pit. Yeah, I don't know. Again, geography, I, I thought I was a little confused. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, they, <laughs> they, um, the, the, he's, he's trying to tell uh, Ripley, I'm not, I'm not an android. I'm the guy who created Bishop. They wanted you to see a friendly face. We're totally going to kill it. And she's not listening. Meanwhile, 85 is sort of smelling a rat. So he grabs himself a fire extinguisher and pops Lance Henriksen upside the head, yeah. caught, which causes his ear to fucking come off. <laughs> Yeah, it was... Was that saying it was an android? No, he's human, because he's okay. bleeding blood. That's what I, I mean, thought. He shows but her it... his blood and says, I'm not an android, which is supposed to lead to her trusting him more. I don't know why they fucking had to have his ear come off. <laughs> well, I thought maybe that was like a droidy thing, but I knew it wasn't like the tapioca inside yeah. him. So No, I, he's I, just I a guy it. who had his ear fucking come <laughs> off. Um, I don't know, dude. Um, I, I don't know why they couldn't have had him get hit in the head and then just touch the back of his head and show some blood. <laughs> Instead, they had to go with the ear coming off. And they had some extra ears lying around. It looks rough, too. Yeah. Like, oh, it's gnarly. And then 85 <laughs> is immediately shot. Um, uh-huh. Like, a lot of times. Um, but it leads to Bishop doing something weird, which is going, hey, look, I'm definitely not a robot. Also, we are not killing that alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. He does a bit of villain monologuing unexpectedly. Yeah. He dropped like you had you you had a card to play, buddy. Like, why are you <laughs> dropping the facade? The game is not over. I don't get that. I don't get uh-huh. that at fucking all. It's um, like the game's over, and he go no. 
Oh, yeah, which he does. <laughs> um, so Ripley, like hearing the, this guy's true colors, like, oh wait, you... and we can learn from it. Think of blah blah. Yeah, blah. and He's then... like I know, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it all before. You know which side I come down on on this. <laughs> and then Ripley drops into the lava, which is another change from the theatrical cut. Which it's funny because reading the production history, one of the things they talk about is like how gory the the work print was and how they wanted to tone that down. Like one of the things they took out was some of the more graphic shit in the newt autopsy mm-hmm. where you see a little girl's insides right um but like in the theatrical constantly cut, cutting back to her eyes it's yeah. like oh stop finding ways to make this worse yeah <laughs> it's real rough but in the theatrical cut of this movie um as ripley jumps into the lava the queen bursts out of her and then she holds it yeah <laughs> uh, to make sure it can't get away yeah it's like a keep away kind of <laughs> yeah and then it falls into the lava with her in the theatrical cut that doesn't happen at all mm-hmm. um which i kept expecting it and then she just drops and i was like oh maybe i just made that up because this is the grimmest movie ever and i expected it <laughs> yeah i i did wonder like was that a reshoot later because they felt like that scene went too fast like know. were test audiences like was it still too much and they didn't realize the queen is in there and that's why she was doing it? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. That 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 is a pointless addition and I'm glad it's not <laughs> in the more print. Because, um, like, why, why are we fucking Ripley over even more? Like, Jesus, let her have a little bit of agency right. with her, with the way she goes out. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't even do a, like, a fuck you in its face it's just, yeah she's falling or anything yeah uh, it's, yeah so she drops into the lava and then um we we see the one prisoner who's survived being led away by the company certainly not to be shot outside <laughs> i mean that's what happened to him right to like, be rehabilitated yeah like as soon as they like brought him outside they popped him in the back of the head right um so we see a little uh for some reason it cuts to i thought it cut to the eev covered in a tarp and then we hear um Ripley's monologue from the end of Alien. Yes. Last Survivor of the Nostromo signing off. You were saying it, you thought it might be the craft from the end of Alien, which we're just cutting to in a completely different location. Well, I, I thought the gist of it was sort of like this is the end of the Alien project. Yeah. And it's sort of her her old escape pod that they'd had in a warehouse somewhere like is cued for the furnace or sold for scrap, they say at the end, I think. Yeah. So well, they said the whole the prison colony was sold for scrap. Oh, really? Yeah. But I thought it was on the screen inside the pod at the end. I thought it was talking about that. Uh, oh. I can't remember. You, you might be right. Yeah, but the was, the, the way was, I took it is sort of movie. like I was pretty beat down by the end. Yeah, and and I mean your protagonist was dead. It's hard to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the the way that I kind of kind of took it was it's it's really kind of a sad capper on the end of this sad story like she did kind of save the universe in a way but there's not even evidence that any of this happened yeah you're right god also just from a like um i feel like this is a common like a movie sequel comic book kind of thing was i liked her little speech about how like you've been in my life for as long as i can remember or whatever hasn't it been like a week in her time (laughs) i mean she escaped yeah she had nightmares for a couple months in the beginning of aliens then agreed to go and it's the end of that when she was in sleep so i mean yeah she was like in her 30s and then she had a bad couple of weeks in terms of her consciousness yeah so i mean i love the speech and and everything but it was like i don't know that's accurate (laughs) yeah it didn't feel terribly earned like i can't remember anything in my life before you like like we as viewers buy that but like 
you you did stuff before this. Um, <laughs> you had a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> you had a daughter who had her, if we're to believe that alien isolation is canon, her whole own encounter with this thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There's a video <laughs> game called Alien Isolation that stars Amanda Ripley, Ellen Ripley's daughter, on a space station running away from an alien. Um, and I've, I will not play it because I hear it's terrifying. Um, because you have no weapons, and mm-hmm. the only thing you can do is run from it. Hide in lockers and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of locker hiding. Um, I and, haven't played much of it because I'm terrified of it. Yeah. But the for fans of the first one, it's insane. Like, yeah. this down to like the scan lines on the monitors like they recreated it with loving care you can yeah. tell and it looks just like the nostromo like you go into the mother room and there's all the lights around and it's yeah. fantastic that sounds pretty that sounds pretty cool. i mean i <laughs> i wish i could play a version of it that didn't make me want to pee um <laughs> but i don't i'm not i'm told that version does not exist right like can we take the alien out of the game and just let me walk around <laughs> well i hear it as a it's not official, but there's Oculus support in it. If you dig around in the configs, fuck that, <laughs> Jesus! That's like people who play Amnesia: The Dark Descent and Oculus Rift. Like, why? Yeah, are you that doing I've never that? tried. Gee, no, man, no. But um, the, I, I believe they support for the game was done so they could show off at uh, at game conferences. Yeah. But you know, of course, they don't want to deal with the legal ramifications of actually having it be a setting. So just like in an XML somewhere, there's yeah. like, you know, Oculus support equals zero. They have to switch to one. But I heard the reporters say like, yeah, the thing is stalking you and you're in VR and then it happens upon you and you look down and there's a mouth sticking out of your chest. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, yeah. no, thank you. So uh-uh. someday, but not soon. No, I, <laughs> I need I, to be acclimated. <laughs> do not want. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so back to this movie. Um, I think we, we covered pretty much all of it. Um, oh, yeah, also towards the end, there's a running with scissors gag, which I appreciated. Because <laughs> one of the guys is running around, and he's, he's got a pair of scissors to defend himself. Uh-huh. And then this other guy stops him, and he's like, hey, no, hold it like this. And he turns it around in the guy's hand, and he's like, you're going to hurt somebody with that. <laughs> and I like that the movie just stopped for a second for a running with scissors gag. <laughs> that that made me that made me pretty happy um yeah and uh yep so final thoughts on uh on alien 3 what do you what did you think of it uh i mean i was glad to watch it again i'm I'm glad i watched the the work print thing I, I couldn't remember if i'd ever seen that version or not yeah um but i did think it made some interesting changes and kind of as i was saying i think it's almost a more interesting movie now than it was at the time yeah. Kind of with the topics it's touching on. Yeah. And clearly with whose Fincher's become, that's been an interesting discussion. Absolutely. I mean, did, thumbs up, thumbs down. Should people watch this? Mm, I'd say fans of the franchise. Yeah. It's probably not a, like, go out of your way and check it out if you're not yeah. a big Alien fan. I think if you're a big David Fincher fan, you owe it to yourself to watch the work print. Yeah. Um, but if you're a big David Fincher fan, you're probably enough of a cinephile that you've at least seen the Alien movies. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh, you know, I... <laughs> It's hard to square where it stands in the franchise just because of, you know, the the grimness of it. Mm-hmm. And I still don't exactly know how I feel about that. Um, I think, honestly, I might be okay with it because I, I'm racking my brain and I haven't thought too, too hard about it, but I'm having a little bit of trouble coming up with a story that I want to see that involves uh, Newt and Hicks, mm-hmm. like if you're going to continue the franchise. I think if you're going to continue the franchise and you're going to make the movie about 
Ripley, you know, this being the last one and Ripley dying, mm-hmm. then like systematically stripping things away from her is an interesting way to go with it. Um, and this weird, like this prison planet is an interesting enough setting that I'm happy to watch a movie that takes place in it. Um, it's real mean. Um, <laughs> but if you're down with that, then, you know, it's, it's as much of like a nineties movie as aliens is an eighties movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say if you, if you like alien and if you like, uh, if you like, uh, David Fincher, like fucking watch it. It's definitely better than resurrection. We can certainly agree on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't seen resurrection in years, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts on the, uh, bloom camp? If that's how you pronounce his name. Oh, Blomkamp. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know where his movie's going to fit in the canon. Cause it sounds like it's going to be the, the Jurassic World. <laughs> like, like, it's. I think they're talking about how it might be Ripley and Hicks. Yeah, but, like, they're both dead. I think it's, like, pretend three and four didn't happen. Oh, really? I don't know, but that was the impression I got. Gotcha. Did, did Jurassic... well, especially because they're both older, so I would imagine yeah. it's sort of like, oh, they, you know, the rescue pod just showed up and they're both old. <laughs> Yeah, did uh did did um Jurassic World pretend that Lost World and JP3 didn't exist? I mean, it, um, it kind of just didn't it, 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 I believe it sidestepped it yeah. by like just sort of there's no indication they did happen. Yeah. But let's not worry about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably keeping options open but more let's just not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably their intent. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that because I don't think this is bad enough to me at least this isn't bad enough to like want it wiped from the face of the earth mm-hmm. and I generally don't like it when movie franchises do that like a movie has to be pretty goddamn egregious for that <laughs> to work like uh, Halloween H2O does a version of what Jurassic World did basically the plot of Halloween 4 and 5 is uh, we're watching Laurie Strode's daughter I think um then the idea is that Lori uh died in a car crash off screen because they couldn't get Jamie Lee Curtis back mm-hmm. and then they finally got her for Halloween H2O and the premise is that that was her faking her death so she could get away from Michael Myers so that he would stop hunting her um and then it just doesn't doesn't really talk about four and five or mm-hmm. six um none of those movies really matter um which is great because six gets into some weird ass druid shit and we don't need to talk about that <laughs> So you like you can watch four, five, and six, and and they they fit perfectly in the canon, but you don't need to see them to see H two O, and that's way more satisfying. Like, you know, the resurrection sucked. Um, I if you're gonna bring back um, Ripley, having them clone her so that they can get at the alien queen inside her mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't just start a new trilogy with some new people. Um, like, I think at that point, maybe you don't really, cause this on like, how did you think this felt as an end to Ripley's story? As an end? You said? Yeah. Um, to the story of Ripley. I mean, if you want to tell a story this dark, I think it works. I think yeah. it's a perfectly valid direction for the character to go and stuff. I mean, I don't know that I necessarily would have signed up to see a movie this dour about that character <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. But I think it, it makes sense as an interpretation. It, it doesn't feel like a different script that someone renamed the character or something yeah. like that to me. Yeah, I mean, it, she feels like Ripley the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems like it's it wants to say things about who this character is when you take things away from her. <laughs> she um, still uh, hyper sleeps in panties, as we saw. She does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that, Fincher. <laughs> um, covered in fucking lice. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it feels like the story of Ellen Ripley. Um, 
and I, I, I don't know that I needed more of her story, but if you insist on bringing her back, then like, I like the idea of like, oh yeah, we got a hold of like, we fished some shit out of that lava fucking somehow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, (laughs) like it was just sort of a big pile of goose. We don't know how much of this is the alien and how much of this is Ripley. And we're just kind of trying to put her back together. Mm -hmm. And like that has failed in interesting ways several times. (laughs) Um, that is an interesting way to bring her back. I think that we didn't need any of that shit with the fucking hybrid from from Resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a premise, that doesn't make me choke. Uh, I just don't know. Like, I really am averse to them just saying that the, that three and four just didn't happen. Like, mm-hmm. that feels lazy. I mean, how, how do you feel about them doing that? I was I was thinking about other franchises where where it's come in, and I think uh, X Men is the funniest example. <laughs> where in order to fully understand what happened, you have to have seen three. Yeah, but it's having fun with the fact that it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I do like Michael Bean. <laughs> like, uh, just having him back in there would make me happy. Yeah. I mean, I, I love District Nine. I, to be honest, haven't seen any of his other movies because it makes me nervous. The things people say about them. Yeah. Me too. Um, but you know, it's, he clearly has a very distinct visual style that I think would match up well with this franchise Yeah, and he clearly is doing it out of love for it. Yeah. <laughs> Not cause alien is the big cash grab right now. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what someone's going to do with it. If someone's going to do something, that sounds like one of the more interesting routes that I would want to see. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'm clamoring for it. I mean, but if they do just say three and four didn't happen, don't worry about it. How are you going to yeah. feel about that? It'll probably depend how it's handled. Like, yeah. If to be honest, it depends how the movie is. Like, if it's a great adventure with Ripley and Hicks that feels like an honorable um, uh, sequel to the second one, I think I would be a lot more open to like, oh, okay, so there's a new <laughs> trilogy, kind of. Yeah. Whereas if it was if it was Terminator Genesis, I would be like, this is this yeah. is not good. <laughs> yeah, I heard Terminator Genesis is pretty bad. I I like noble failures. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, I'll always like it more than Salvation, which I thought was just awful. Or at least this is terrible, but it's it's swinging it at yeah. some interesting uh, pitches. Yeah, but even Salvation, like, acknowledges the first movies and, like, says, you know, thanks to time travel stuff, that's why you don't need to worry right, about it. Right, right. Like, I mean, it's, like, it's similar to how I, I guess, feel. I guess I'm, I'm saying in terms of, like, like, if Genesis had been really good and tried to do something like that, I would go with it. Kind of, I guess I'm just saying that, like... If the movie is good, it'll be easier to say, yeah. like, oh, they should have tried it. But if it's something like Terminator Genesis, yeah. where it's just kind of a hodgepodge that comes out weirder than yeah. than good, then it'll be like, oh, they should have left it alone, yeah, obviously. I think, yeah, I mean, I... I if, a, if the movie comes out and it does and it just acts like 3 and 4 didn't happen, that just... It's going to have a strike against it to out of the gate with me. Okay. Um, I could see that. Because, like, you got to... Like you, you wrote it. Like you're in that universe, and maybe it's just that I'm like a big comic book guy, so I'm mm-hmm. used to like continuity, and like I believe that that makes, you know, if you're gonna tell that kind of story, then you have to tell that kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, and just saying, <laughs> what if she wakes up and it was a dream in cryo sleep? <laughs> Will that be like the lamest thing ever? <laughs> you know, it's something. Um, <laughs> like it, 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 you know, if. If they do something super hand wavy to explain away three and four, and then they tell a cool story, that's fine. Mm-hmm. They just can't 
in my book, and I'm not the boss of Fox, obviously, so I don't have a lot of control over this shit, mm-hmm. but I will feel really bad if they're just like, oh, yeah, no, none of that happened. That was another reality or right, something. Right. And I'm like, no, fuck you. Like, <laughs> that happened. And Alien 3 is actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's grimdark as fuck, but, <laughs> like, it's it doesn't... I, I don't think it betrays the character. I think that the work print is pretty good. It's got some problems, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's definitely worth watching. Um, yeah. I agree. So... There it is. Um, so what are we doing next time? Uh, so, like, my favorite thing this year was Fury Road. So I definitely want to hit that at some point. But I wasn't sure if you'd seen it twice, because we have, I think, probably a couple months for the, yeah. the I DVD. Have not, I have not seen it twice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we can do that later. Uh, did you see Locke? No, what's Locke? This is at least, <laughs> it's not The Fountain. It's it's a 90-minute movie with uh, Tom Hardy as the only actor. <laughs> uh-huh he's in a car on speakerphone uh, uh-huh I, I like it quite a bit so <laughs> if you feel like doing that what's it about i mean i don't want to give too much away but it's sort of like a different role for tom hardy he's, he's not well, necessarily a lunatic like it's more of a, a normal <laughs> kind of role and it's just sort of a guy like the movie starts he's getting into his car he's like i'll be there in 90 minutes and he's going to deal with some crisis that he yeah. needs to to deal with and sort of his job is exploding on like the night before the biggest project of his life. So he's frantically on the phone trying to get that working yeah. and his family desperately needs him. So, it, I mean, it's it could be a play. It literally is him sitting in a car for the whole thing. Sounds um, cool. But it's it's a really sort of interesting. Uh, it's a character study of like if you think you're doing the right thing, but all these other signs are pointing that it's not like, yeah. it's, it's not always a black and white kind of topic. It's okay, just a I'll, weird little British movie. I'll watch it so we can cover it on a future episode. Okay. I'd like to not do something. I have to watch twice before right. we record next. Okay. Um, and I'm leaving all this in, by the way, this is part of the process. Everybody. That's fine. <laughs> I watched it twice the first week. Oh really? Wow. <laughs> well, I had a list of shit that I was going to, that I wanted to do, but it's been a long time since we recorded. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Mm, we do 12 monkeys oh yeah. yeah i haven't watched 12 monkeys in forever yeah so sort of uh, we were talking a little bit pre-mic about yeah. uh about how gilliam-esque alien 3 was in, yeah. in other ways beyond what we mentioned but uh yeah yeah that that kind of reminds me of a very similar sort of grungy yeah it's not me right like no, that's a, no. it's a gilliam fucking movie <laughs> i mean i think those two in particular 12 monkeys and alien 3 probably have a lot of <laughs> I'm locked up in a pretty grimy prison-y Yeah, no, motif. that sounds awesome. Yeah, 12 okay. monkeys, everybody. All right, cool. Oh, what a great number of monkeys. <laughs> Have you watched the sci-fi series at all? I haven't. I've heard good things. I've heard good things, too. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, maybe after uh, after I revisit the movie, I'll watch, uh, I'll watch the series. Okay. Um, I wonder great. if Terry Gilliam likes the series. That's a good question. I don't know if he likes much of anything anymore. <laughs> Did you see uh, Zero Theorem? I didn't. I, I was meaning to see it. Yeah. I like, I like. Gilliam, I like Christoph Waltz. Yeah, I should I should watch it. Okay, great. We're gonna watch that. It's gonna be awesome, guys. Great. All right, until next time. Later. Bye.